Well, good morning. I think all of us have things in our lives that we want, that we wish that we were better at. Um, maybe, maybe it's like a hobby or a dream or just a personal thing. Like I remember growing up in uh, in high school, you know, you have different things you want to do. Like at one point, I wanted to be a sports announcer, right? I wanted to be like a sports announcer, all those sort of things. But I never did anything did anything with it. Like I didn't take journalism classes. I didn't pursue it. Now, even if I had, I probably wouldn't have been. I don't know that I would have been that great anyway. But I would be better than I was now. Like I would have take, you know, be not as bad as I was now. Or like a hobby, something I wish I was good at, which I'm not, is beatboxing. Um, and it's because like, you know, even if you try for like 30 seconds, you're like, this is so embarrassing and so bad that I'm not even going to attempt this anymore. Right? So there's like things that I wish I could do that I don't. And the big, biggest reason why is I've never tried, right? So whether you have a dream that you never pursued or just like a fun thing you wish you could do and you're not good at it at all, it's probably because you haven't done anything with it. And I share that because we're going to look at this question this morning. And that's this, do you want to grow closer to God? Do you want to grow closer to God? Now, my assumption to that, it's the answer to that question is yes. I'm assuming no matter who you are, you would say, yes, I do. So maybe you are following Jesus. You've been following Jesus for a while. You're like, yes, I want to keep growing closer to him. Or let's say you're not even sure God exists, but if he does, you would probably say, if he does exist, I would want to know him more. I would want to grow closer to him. And so my assumption is that, again, that answer to that question is yes. So everything I'm going to say this morning, everything we're going to read is going off yes, that you and I want to grow closer to him. And here's my promise to you by the time we're done this morning, that you will, have, you can, you will actually be able to walk out of these doors and say how you're going to make that happen. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to uh, 1 Corinthians or a phone. If you don't have one, there's a black one somewhere around you. Uh, you can go ahead and flip there. It'll be page 1012 in your Bibles there. Um, here's the deal. We're in a series called Masterclass. We started at the beginning of January. Uh, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, it is written by this guy named Paul, who within 20 years of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, writes this book to the book uh, to the church in Corinth in modern-day Turkey. And they are a group of believers who are dealing with a lot of issues, and they're in a culture and a setting that's very similar to ours today. And so we're learning with them um, what God has for them and what God has for us. We've The last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea about the power of God and how to experience the power of God in your life, how God... God, through Jesus, did what the world thought was weak to display his power. And through Jesus and through his spirit, we can know God more and we could grow closer to him. Last week, we talked about this idea of spiritual people. And we saw that you cannot be a spiritual person if you do not know Jesus. And so Paul is continuing, uh, continuing that thought in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we'll pick it up in verse 1. He says this, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. So what he's talking about there is a couple of years before he writes this letter where he was actually part of the team that planted the church in Corinth. Uh, most of them were not Christians, or if they were, they were, as he says, baby Christians. They had just met Jesus. And so he wasn't, he's not trying to be negative here. He's just simply saying that you needed time to grow. So when I first was with you, uh, I had to be very uh, basic and kind of teaching Jesus and the gospel and who these things are because you were not a aware of them, not negative. You just needed time to grow. So that makes sense. You were not spiritual people. In this case, he means spiritually mature because you didn't know who Jesus was, which is totally fine. But then he says this in verse two, he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still 
worldly. Now, there's some debate about what Paul says here. And my understanding is that what Paul means here is that when he says, I gave you milk to drink, he's saying, I kind of taught you kind of the fundamentals of the faith, the gospel, who Jesus is. I didn't give you solid food, which is kind of more uh, doctrine or more now that you have, know, know and follow Jesus, here's what this looks like in your life. And so instead of doing that, I just kind of told you the basics, right? Which makes sense because you, before you can get to solid food, uh, you need milk. But the problem now is that they are still not ready for this solid food. The point that Paul is trying to make is simply this, that Paul is disappointed by their lack of spiritual growth. So it makes sense if you don't know Jesus, if you're a new follower of Christ, that you would be in a certain place spiritually. But if you're following Jesus for a while, at some point, uh, Paul is frustrated. Why? Because they're supposed to grow, which means this, that if, we are not, if you're a follower of Jesus and you are not growing closer to him, Paul would say, scripture would say, is that is on you. That is on you. Now, I don't say this in a guilt way or a, condemn, a, a condemning way, but my point here that I want us to walk away with today is say, no, knowing that is on us, I want you and I to do something about it. So here's what I want us to know this morning as we get into this text, that if you want to go spiritually, you must do something about it. That's what Paul seems to be saying here. He would not be frustrated if they were not supposed to do something about it. If you want to grow spiritually, it is on you and it is on me to do something about it. What will not happen is us just assuming uh, by showing up to church on Sundays a few times a week or reading our Bible a few times a day or a few days a week or uh, you know praying two minutes before you go to bed every once in a while. Like, yes, Henry, those things are good things and, I, and that we should do those things. But if we just assume that we kind of do these things every once in a while, that that will grow grow us, and that will grow us more than do, doing nothing, but that, that will not get us to the place that we want to be, like the Corinthians, right? They had been gathering together. They had been doing some things, but apparently they had not been intentional enough because they had not grown. Like, let me give you a, a non-spiritual example, right? So when we launched New City Church almost two years ago, I just had the assumption that as I, you know, preach most weeks, I would just get better. And it is true. I mean, as you do things, in my case, preach, like you will get somewhat better as you do them. But then I realized, no, if I actually like want to grow, I have to be more intentional than just kind of doing this, this once a week thing. And so what I started to do last year was I bought an online preaching course. I started listening to more pastors and preachers that I thought were good communicators to learn, okay, how are they doing this? How are they being more clear and effective? Because that's what I wanted to be. Um, I took all the, I read all this stuff about how to preach without notes. And so I did all this stuff to hopefully become better. Now that is not up to me to judge. So if you've been here for a while, you can say yes or no to that, but don't say it right now. Okay, but my goal, regardless, was to grow. And I found out, no, if I want to grow, I can't just kind of rely on these once a week. These I have to be intentional about it. So if you and I want to grow spiritually, we have to do something about it. And here's why I would say most of us uh, don't grow or at least aren't maybe spiritually where we want to be. Because we uh, are in a culture that compartmentalizes everything, right? You have your faith and your work and your family and your personal and your private life and your hobbies. And you've got all these kind of different sections that we put different parts of our life. And so what happens is either a lot of times unconsciously, we don't do it on purpose, but that seeps into how we see our faith. And so instead of following Jesus and giving us, uh, giving him his life like he has asked us to do, we kind of put him in a little box here. And then when we get to it, when we get to it, and then we wonder why we're not growing. Because Jesus has called us to follow him with our entire lives. You cannot grow closer to Jesus if it does not influence and impact every area of your life. And so here's, I think, the biggest reason why we often, even when we want to, even when we have the best intentions, don't grow in our faith, because a compartmentalized faith is a stagnant faith. A compartmentalized faith is a stagnant faith because it's boxed in. I'm going to get to it when I get to it, but I'm not going to allow it to uh, impact every area of my life, which therefore means I'm not going to 
grow. I'm going to run into the same issues and the same frustrations over and over and over again because I'm not being intentional with my faith. I'm kind of putting it in a box, and when I get to it is when I get to it. And so here is why you and I need to uh, grow. Why we need, If we want to grow spiritually, we must do something about it. Here's why. Because spiritual growth is not accidental, right? Spiritual growth, like anything in life, will not happen by accident. Most good things that you want to strive for or accomplish or achieve or grow in or do, you have to do something about it. It will not happen on accident, right? My good, other like, you know, my good looks, they might have happened on accident, but most of us, you know, you have to, not funny, okay. Uh, But then most things, right, do not happen on accident. And spiritual growth is no different. I would, I, I would say, without, again, not making any of us feel guilty or condemned, that the reason that you are not where you want to be spiritually is because you are not doing anything or enough about it. You are not doing enough about it, which is why you are not going spiritually. Paul is frustrated because they should have done something that they haven't done. And so let's read this again, starting in verse 2. He says this, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it, which made sense at the time, but now it doesn't. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still worldly. You're still acting like people who do not know Jesus. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Right? And he's going to give an example of this in verse 4. He says, For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? Here's the problem. If you've been around, you know this. We, we started in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that there has been division and envy and strife in the church because the different people in the church are attaching themselves to different Christian leaders and different Corinthian leaders. They're finding their significance in people and things instead of Christ. And so even though it's okay to have preferences, they're making these preferences the main thing when they shouldn't be. And so all, this, all these problems are coming out. And the problem here is this, that when Paul says you are still worldly, you're still acting like people that don't know Jesus, He's saying that because that is on them. That is not on God. What have we been seeing this throughout the series? That if we trust Jesus, we follow him, we have the spirit of God in our life. And if so if we do nothing, it's not on God, it is on us. The problem with Corinthians is not that they weren't Christians. It's not even that they didn't love Jesus. The problem is that they were not progressing. They were not progressing. They were acting like people who do not know Jesus, who find their significance in different things. And let me just say this real quick. As you follow Jesus and as you progress, that will look different for different people. So based on your background, your history, things that you've experienced, your progression may look different than someone else's. So even though we, you may look at someone and be like, I can't believe, haven't they been following Jesus for a while? I can't believe they're still dealing with that. That is not on us, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks. That is not on us to judge other people. But for us personally, no matter where you are, don't even, don't even compare yourself to someone else. The question is, are you progressing in any way? Because apparently most of the Corinthians weren't, and it was causing a lot of problems. And so here's what I want us to do this morning. If, it, if, it mean, if, if we can grow spiritually, and it is on us to do it, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pick one thing to grow in. I want you and I to pick one thing to grow in. Now, that could be, and I'll explain what, I, what this looks like in just a minute, but that could be prayer, or reading your Bible, or maybe it is uh, being more uh, spiritual discipline like that, or maybe it is, uh, you know, uh, like, a, like a doing something that w- w- would emulate Christ, so being more grateful, or pursuing purity in your life, and that sort of thing. So I want to pick one thing to grow in, and, and here's why this is important for us to do, and I'm going to say something that may be cliche, we say it all the time, but let me explain what I mean. Here's why we need to pick one thing to grow in, and ultimately wanting to grow us closer to God. Because you and I, every single one of us, finds our significance in something. We all find our significance in something. 
whether it is Jesus or a person or money, like you can kind of do it this way. Like if, if I could say you could have one thing in the world, what would it be? Relationship with Jesus? Would it be you know, getting out of debt? Would it be this relationship with perfect fit? Whatever it is, if you could pick one thing, that might show you what it is in your life that is the most significant thing for you. So even if you're not even sure about this Jesus thing, you and I all find something significant to put our lives in. And this is important for us to understand because whatever we choose will impact our life. Let me give you... Uh, let me give you an example of this, because if it's not Jesus, it will be something. But let me show you why it's so important, because I know we say this all the time, to find our significance ultimately in God and, and not other things in this world, because this will give you true freedom. I remember a couple years ago, I was listening to a, a story by this guy named Robbie Zacharias. He's a, an apologetic speaker, the Christian faith, and intellectual of the faith, goes around the world, one of my heroes in the faith. And he shares this story. It's a true story, by the way. I promise it's a true story. How a few years ago, he was in Lebanon, and he was uh, uh, meeting up with his friend named Sa- uh, Sammy. He was speaking in Lebanon, and this guy named Sammy, who is like kind of a short and stout guy, but he's full of life, full of energy, uh, just goes all over the place, ton of, loves to go on an adventure. And so he was telling the story how Sammy, uh, he's Lebanese and he has a wife, an English wife named Joy, how they were driving one night in the middle of the night on the highway, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and they drive past a suitcase on the side of the road. Like, doesn't matter where you live, you don't get the suitcase, like you let it go. But Sammy, being Sammy, said, no, we got to pull over. We got to see whose this is. And Joy's like, no, 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 let's just go home. So they turn around. They pull over. He gets out. He taps the suitcase, and he finds that it's full. He's like, somebody lost their suitcase. So he brings it. He puts it in his car, and they go home. They get home. About a, it comes, it's about midnight at this point where he finally opens the suitcase. True story. He opens the suitcase, and as he opens it, he sees that it is entirely full of money. This is probably one of the times in your life where you don't say, why me, Lord, right? (laughs) Entirely full of money. And so he's like, speechless, can't believe it. He ends up dumping all of the money out onto the bed, and a business card falls out. So he calls the number on the business card, and he says, hey, is this Mr. So-and-so? And And it's about midnight at this point. This guy answers the phone, and he says, why it is, why are you calling me? And then Sammy goes, have you lost something? The guy in the line takes a second, and he says, have you found it? And so he says, yes, I found it, and it's all here. I promise you none of it's missing. It's a ton of cash because there's no more room in the suitcase. And so this guy's like, well, what's your address? Where do you live? I'll come pick it up. And Sammy says, no, 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 it's curfew now. You know, we can't go out. You come in the morning. Here's my address. I'll give it to you. If I wanted to do anything with the money, I wouldn't have called you. I would have done it by now, okay? So here's my address. You come in the morning. I'll give it to you. So this guy comes in the morning, completely cannot believe what is happening. They get to talking. He finds out that Sammy's a Christian, that Sammy's a pastor. And the guy was like, yeah, me and my family family were leaving the country, I drained my entire bank account, put it in the suitcase, tied it to the top of the car. Now I'm thinking, (laughs) I don't know how many things you have, but the suitcase goes in the car. Put something else on top of the car. So it falls off the car. He says it falls off the car. By the time we realized it, we turned around and it was gone. We couldn't find it anywhere. And so, but he, you know, so he's completely shocked. And so here's what he does. Before he leaves, he puts his hand into his suitcase and he gives a Sammy a good portion, not a good portion, but a you know, significant amount of money. And Sammy says this. He says, no, no, no. I only take uh, offerings. He says, you give this to your church. He says, no, no, no. I only take offerings of this size on Sunday. You come to church on Sunday and you give it then. Which, by the way, breaks every rule of fundraising, okay? If somebody <laughs> says, here's money, you take it. But we're going to find out why he didn't do that, right? So he's like, no, no, you come. So what happens on Sunday? The family actually shows up, him and his wife and his kids, gives the, he gives the money that he says he was going to give. And then that night, Sammy has the family over 
for tea. Now, Robbie Zacharias is also at Sammy's house at this point because Sammy was going to take him to the airport later that night. And so Robbie, he's, he's sitting there and he's listening to them talk. Sammy's talking to the family. They're talking in, 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 uh, in uh, Arabic. And so he's translating back to Robbie Zacharias what's going on. And eventually, again, this guy cannot get over what happened. He cannot get over what happened. And Sammy looks at him and he says this. He says, you think this is such a big deal because you think this is treasure. He says, this money, who wants Lebanese money anyway? He says, you think this is treasure? He says, I'm going to give you treasure that you cannot lose, that cannot be stolen, and cannot be destroyed. He hands Sammy, his wife, and all of his kids a Bible. This guy cannot stop crying. He cannot get over what's happening. He leads, Sammy leads him and his family to faith in Jesus. Now, why do I share that story? Because this man who did not know Jesus could not believe that Sammy did not take this money for himself. Why did Sammy not do it? Because here's the deal. All of us could use more money. I don't know anybody that could say, no, I don't need it. Why? But Sammy did not find his significant in, significance in, in his identity in these things. See, Sammy was someone who has grown spiritually to know that Jesus and himself is the ultimate treasure, that he's going to do the right thing no matter what it costs him because Jesus is his treasure, not these things. Again, every single one of us has to decide what are we going to put our significance in. And I would argue you can't do that, what Sammy did. You don't have the freedom to say no to things that are not yours unless you know Jesus, like Sammy knows Jesus, which again, which is why we need to pick one thing to grow in, why you and I should pick one thing to grow in. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 5. You want to go ahead and flip there or you can just follow along on the screen. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews is showing again why this is so important for us to know God, desire God, and grow closer to him. He had been writing up until this point about how Jesus is our great high priest, how we get the righteousness of God. We get all these things when we trust and follow Jesus. And then he says this in verse 11. He says, we have a great deal to say about all of this, and it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time, apparently the, the original readers of Hebrews, some of them were just in the same boat as the Corinthians. Although by this time, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness. Why? Because he is an infant, right? So we can't grow in, okay, here's who Jesus is. Here's why we need to grow in him. We can't get to that stage because we're still trying to figure out who Jesus even is, what the gospel even is to begin with, right? Then he says this, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? If you want to be able to distinguish between good and evil, if you want to learn about the righteousness of God, you must be doing something to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Here's the reality. The enemy is real. If God exists, that means Satan exists as well, and he wants to devour you. He wants you to be destroyed. And if you do not fight for your relationship with God, you will not grow. If you do not fight, you will not grow. And here's the thing about this, uh, this idea of being destroyed, especially in our culture and context today. The easiest way for you and I to be destroyed is to become comfortable and to become lazy. Not for some crazy, horrific event to happen in your life because that actually might grow you to want to seek God. He would, Satan, the enemy would rather you be lazy and comfortable and do nothing and slowly fade away and not know Jesus the way he wants you to know Jesus. So here's my question for you. How are you going to train? If you want to grow closer to God, how are you going to do it? Because if you're frustrated, if you're not where you want to be, that means you've got to do something different. That You and I have to make a change if we want to grow closer to him. So my question for you, if that, I'm assuming that you said yes, you want to grow closer to God, no matter who you are, 
How are you going to train? That's my question for you. Read one more passage in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. This is also written by Paul, the same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians. And he's talking, right before he says this, by the way, 1 uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he talks about the demonic realm and how we're in a battle against spiritual forces that we cannot even see. And so we need to take this seriously. So he says this about there's demonic influence in the world. And he says this in verse 6. If you point these things out to brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that, that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. So in other words, and maybe in our context today, have nothing to do with laziness, have nothing to do with not growing your relationship with Jesus, have nothing to do with pursuing the things of the world above everything else, right? Don't do that. Rather, train yourself in godliness, Train yourself in godliness. Why? For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Here's what he's saying. Physical fitness and health is a good thing, but it's limited value because it only impacts you in this life. Instead, while you should do that, what should, do that, what should be even more important to you is spiritual training. Why? Because it has an impact not only in this life, but also in the life to come. So again, my question for you is this, how are you going to train, right? So often we just look at people, the biblical authors, or maybe people that you admire in your life that are closer to God, or you feel like are spiritual people, and you're like, I want to be like them, or I don't understand how they got there. How they got there was being intentional about the relationship with Jesus, about training in some ways. And so here is why, even though this might seem, I don't know, cheesy, even though you might seem like you are above it, like you don't need this help, here's why you and I should pick one thing to grow in. Because if you don't pick one thing, you'll always be a spiritual infant. You don't pick one thing, you'll always be a spiritual infant. Here's what Paul is telling us, especially if you're a follower of Christ. If you want to go closer to Christ, that is on you. And if, it is not, if, that, if you are not growing closer to Christ, that is also on you. And we can make all the excuses in the book. I'm busy. My kids are driving me crazy. I'm working too many hours. I've got too many things going on in my life. And all those things will be, may, be very true. But the reality is if you are not growing closer to God, it is not on him. It is on you. And so you and I ought to be doing something, just anything, to make that happen. Now, let me, let me give you an example of what I mean, maybe some of this difference to kind of explain the difference maybe between milk and solid food and how we need to be pursuing this solid food instead of milk. Like, here's an example. Like, if I'm talking to someone, we'll talk about generosity, financial, financial generosity for a second. Like, if you are a new follower of Christ, and I'm talking to you, and we're talking about why generosity is a good thing, why Jesus talks about it more than anything else, how we handle our money is the number one educator of what we actually trust in, and how uh, finances and money, it feels like it's one of the very few things that we can control in our life. And so when we give, it helps us trust God. It makes our alliance be on him and also uh, uh, makes it possible for his mission to go forth, right? So we're talking about why it is good to be generous. But if you are more spiritually mature, if you've been following Jesus for a while, instead of talking about why, we're talking about how. We're not talking about why giving is important. We're talking about how you're doing it. How much are you giving? What is your plan to increase your generosity over time? We're not talking about why. We're talking about how, right? Because you and I, if 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 that's you, have trusted Jesus and know that he's important and you understand that it's important for you to grow in him. We're not talking about why you should do things. We're talking about how. I'll give you one more example, which is, you know, a big... touch point in our culture today, if we're talking about the Christian sexual ethic, right? And we're talking about why it's important to pursue purity, which by the way, I hate the word purity because in our culture, we kind of make this thing of like, it's like this legalistic, boring, don't do anything or God's going to get mad at you. And in reality, it's more synonymous with this, with intimacy and life-giving and it's amazing and it's actually for your good and for your enjoyment. And if that's true, 
then we've got to do we've got to we've got to do this in the proper context so we can actually experience all the things it's supposed to give us, right? So if you're a new follower of Jesus, we're talking about why it's important not to be sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend or sleeping around or why we're not looking at pornography, why all these reasons why it's not good for us and why it's good to turn away from them, both for our own good and for our relationship with God. If you're new, we're talking about why. If you've been following Jesus for a while, we're not talking about why. We're talking about how. We're talking about uh, what's on your software and your computer and your devices to help track what you're looking at. We're talking about who you're talking to to help hold you accountable when you're struggling or when you blow. We're not talking about why it's important. We're talking about how we're going to do it because we want to grow closer to him. And so here's what I want us to do. I think often we hear things like, we need to grow closer to God. But then we don't actually, we're not actually given like maybe the tools to actually do it. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want this to be super practical. Um, I want us to walk out of here, and if we aren't growing closer to God, to know without a shadow of a doubt, it's on us and not on God. So in the Bibles in front of you, you'll see this little blue card. Go ahead and pull it out. Let me explain what this is before you write it. I recently read a book called Atomic Habits by this guy whose name was James Clear. And the, the book was great, fascinating. And basically it's talking about how we form habits, why we form habits, how to make good habits in your life, how to break habits. And one of the things of the many that he says is that when you, you know, and we all know this too, right? Like if you uh, create New Year's resolutions, and then oftentimes these goals that we have for the year, they don't come to fruition. Why? It's not because we didn't have the best of intentions, but it's because we didn't have the habits and the systems in place to make them happen. So before we have all these grand ideas of what we want to do, we need to have habits in place uh, to make it happen. And so he talks about that, and he also says if you want to create a new habit in your life, it has to be easy, it cannot, be re- like, it cannot feel like work, and it has to be repeatable. And it also has to be something that you can do in two minutes or less. So in the beginning, it may seem very easy to do, it may seem not hard at all, which is the point, but what you're doing is you're training yourself to create a habit, so as you grow in that habit, you're growing closer to God. So let me give you an example of what this would look like. Let's say you're what? Well, the one thing that you want to do is you want to be more consistent in your Bible reading, right? So you could write Bible reading, that's what? How are you going to do it? Now, remember, it has to be something that can be done in two minutes or less, and it cannot feel like work. So if you want to grow in your Bible reading, how are you going to do it? You're going to read one verse a day. Even if the verse doesn't make sense all on its own, you're like, I don't, what does that mean by itself? That's not the point. The point is creating a habit in your life to do something that you're growing spiritually. And then you're going to say when. Research shows that if you write when you're going to do something, you are significantly more likely to do it. So you're going to say this, as soon as I wake up in the morning, or when I get home, before I walk into my house, you know, when I get home from work, I'm going to pull out my phone, maybe I'll buy my car, whatever's easier, and I'm going to read one verse. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be a Bible reader. How am I going to do it? By reading one verse a day. When am I going to do it? When I get home before I walk into the house, right? That's how I'm going to create a habit. My, my guarantee, my promise to you is you do that for two weeks, you might find yourself meeting, reading more than one verse at a time. You might find yourself reading two verses and then maybe a chapter and you've now developed a habit that you're doing every single day. Let's say you want to pray more. What do you want to do? I want to be a person who prays. How are you going to do it? It got to be two minutes or less. Ready? I'm going to pray for one thing every day. Just one thing. My spouse, my kids, you know, we're in the, we started this just one campaign. We want to be intentional with people in our life. One person who does not know Jesus. But for one thing, what am I going to do it? Before I eat lunch, every day before I eat lunch, I'm going to take 30 seconds and pray for one thing. Before I brush my teeth in the morning, I'm going to pray for one thing. Before I, you know, take a shower, one, when is it? I wouldn't recommend doing it right before bed because if you miss it, then you're going to miss it for the day. That is when you're going to do it. What am I going to be? I'm going to be, I'm going to be a person who prays. How am I going to do it? By praying for one thing a day. When am I going to do it? You're going to write down when you're going to do it. Maybe you want to be someone who's more grateful, right? You want to practice the, the discipline of being grateful. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm a person who's grateful. How am I going to do it? I'm going to text one person every day one thing that I'm grateful for, or I'm going to have a journal right next to my bed, and every morning when I wake up, I'm going to write one thing that I'm grateful for. 
where I'm going to be a person who is grateful to be more like Jesus, right? That's what I'm going to do. Maybe, maybe you want to pursue purity, right? You're like, I'm, not, I'm struggling in this area. What do I want to do? I want to be a person who pursues purity, right? So how am I going to do it? Every morning when I wake up, I'm going to text my one friend that we've, we've talked about this, how I did yesterday. And when am I going to do it? When I wake up, right? Does that make sense? So you want to create a habit that is very easy and repeatable to do so that you can grow in, so that you can become closer to God. And here's why this is important for us to do it. Here's the bottom line this morning as we take this. And here here it is, uh, that it is not true that you cannot grow. It is not true that that you cannot grow. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, here's what Paul is saying. If you're not growing, it's on you. If I'm not growing, it is on me. Not in a guilt way, not an A, you should feel condemned and terrible about yourself way, but just the reality of the situation is it is not true that you cannot grow. Guys, this is literally what the gospel is. The gospel literally changes you and grows you. Here's the gospel that Jesus came to live the perfect life that you and I could not live, right? Die the death that we deserve, that anyone who trusts and follows him can experience the grace, forgiveness, and mercy of God in a relationship with him. And so we do this, we grow closer to him, not so that he will uh, love us more, uh, not so that we can gain his favor, because he is the one, the ultimate, the one, the giver of life. And we want to lean into that, not just for our own good, but for the good of others. We want other people to experience this as well. Listen to me. It is not true that you cannot grow. And here's my fear. A lot of us are going to look at this and say, oh, that's cute. We're going to go home. We're going to throw it away. And we're going to stay in the same exact spot today that we were last year and that we are a year from now. It is not true that you cannot grow. If you want to grow spiritually, that is on you and that is on me. I do not want us to be a church that gathers on Sundays or maybe you're part of your community group and does these things every once in a while to say, hey, look at me, I'm doing all these good things. I want to be a church that is growing in their love and their affections for Jesus, not just for us, but for our community. Right? Our mission here at New City Church is to help people meet Jesus and grow in a relationship with him. And if we're not growing, our, our friends and our family and our coworkers that we want to reach also are not going to be growing as well. Here's a prayer that I often ask myself, and I think is a kind of convicting for myself, is that would I pray for other people to follow Jesus the way that I'm following Jesus? Would I pray for other people to follow Jesus the way I'm following Jesus? Now, not that you're perfect and not that you're doing all these things, but do you have disciplines in your life that you think are good and worthy and worth emulating that are good for you? Or that also good for other people? Or are they super inconsistent? You're like, if, you, if I'm being honest, like, I'm not, you, you don't want to do what I'm doing, right? We want to change that today. I don't want anyone to walk out of here feel guilty. I don't want anyone walking out of here feeling condemned. But I want us walking out of here saying, today is the day that I've decided that I'm going to grow closer to God. So if you walk out of here today, you throw this thing away, and you do nothing, you just need to know that is on you. Let us not be a people who are lazy. Let us not be a people who are compartmentalizing our faith. And let us not be a people who are missing out on the goodness and grace of God, which we will do if we are not growing closer to him. Again, it is not true that you cannot grow. God loved you so much that he sent his son to make it possible for you and I to have a relationship with him so we, so we can experience the goodness of who he is and that will not happen if we don't do anything. It is not true that you cannot grow. God loves you. He died for you. That's why he came, so that you and I can grow in a relationship with him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your grace that you came. I mean, it, I, we talk about this all the time, so it's easy for us to kind of forget how big a deal it is that we can actually have a relationship with the God of the universe, that we can actually know you and who you are. And my prayer this morning is that we would do something about it. Maybe we are following you. Maybe we do have spiritual disciplines in our life. Uh, Let's add one more. Let's create an easy habit to do that. And my prayer is that we would know that you love us so much that you came 
And that relationship would drive us to learn more of who you are if it is true that you offer freedom and you offer life. We will not experience more of that if we are not growing closer to you. So thank you for your grace and your mercy that you allow us to even do this in the first place. And I pray that today we would decide that today is going to be the day that I'm going to do something about my relationship with you. That today is the day that I'm going to grow closer to you so that I can become more like you for my good and for the good of others. God, we are so undeserving of your grace and it is such a privilege that we can know more of you that we can grow closer to you and that you delight in that. Even in the midst of us screwing up, in the midst of us blowing it, you still delight in us and love us. And you want us to experience more of you, um, but that will only be happening if we're actually desiring and doing something in our life to make it happen. So thank you for your grace. God, would you make us a people who love you, who are growing, and know that there's forgiveness and grace when we need it. You are good.